Hello, Michael. How are you today? Good, Miriam. How are you? I'm well. It's a bit early this time, but I'm very excited to speak about hospitality again today. Uh, we missed one podcast last week, but excited for this one. Um, for yep. people who are new here, um, Michael and I are speaking about what has happened in hospitality in the past week. Most of it is just him and I discussing of what we think and what we have learned. So if anybody is really interested in the facts and figures, please go and have a look at the sources at Le Portie. Good morning to everybody for whom it is morning today. And maybe good evening for those who are listening in the evening. <laughs> good, good point. Fair point. Fair point. How are you? How was your week? It was fun. It was actually very fun. Um, I think <clears throat> after Easter, everything is picking up again. People are answering their emails quicker. Yeah, it feels like people are coming back. So this week is full blast. How was yours? Slow and intense. I think I've never traveled more in my life. But, um, <laughs> How many cities? Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. What? Uh, this week, seven and eight. Whoa. Crazy. Very busy. Very busy. Yes. <laughs> going, al going along in line with what you've just talked about. Yeah. Well, it seems like you're definitely picking up after Easter. Life is coming back. All right. Let's 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 start and hop into our first, first topics that we have about hospitality today. And <clears throat> I found something interesting. So... Before I was in hospitality, I had no idea that every I don't know city or country has like um, a trade association, and in in Germany there is an international hotel association with about a hundred thousand four hundred members um, of individual hotel chains and hospitality um, representative, and they kind of are an association that represent the interests of these 1,400, I'm just going to call them hotels for now, um, like that they have impact on politics and the economy and so on and so on. And I found it really interesting that this, this week or last week, um, the chairman of the board said something aligned with, um, they're really excited about what is happening with the, Immigration Act in Germany, but they should really focus on um, making sure that people who, who are immigrating to Germany have hospitality skills. And because hospitality has such a big issue with um, personnel, finding personnel, finding good personnel. So what, what do you think of that? I, I just find it very interesting that, you know, hospitality is impacting the whole immigration um politics in that way what's your what's your opinion on it i mean to be fair there's there's been a lot of talk quite a lot about uh, how we should Im you know allow more immigrate immigrants from a very variety of countries especially non-eu who can't just come here and need a visa to to cover a lot of the shortage but to be honest i mean me and you have studied on hospitality and a lot of people have started from ground zero Right, and um, you don't necessarily need experience in it. Uh, this is not 
as they say, rocket science. If people come here, they, they I think what I've heard before is that uh, there's programs, but what used to be, for example, in Ukraine, where people would do a type of apprenticeship for a specific industry or specific job or, you know, for in a hotel, for example, they would train and learn the language in Ukraine, sponsored by, by Germany, by Germany, basically still. If they would graduate, they would be allowed to move and work here. Um, I'm not sure if this influences or impacts anything because if people come here, they, they'll do the job and um, if they don't like it, they don't like it and then they move on. What the thing is that I definitely don't like is about these people having to s work and be in this industry for five years, right? It's almost like imprisonment or mm -hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't call it slavery, mm -hmm. but uh, where you are imposed to only work in one industry, even though in them, you know, you don't, you might be more skilled or capable of moving to another industry, you know, or there might be more jobs there, right? So, yeah, but I just find it quite self-serving in a way i get it right like we have a, we have a shortage in 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 personnel and i think it's a big issue i just find it yeah to like specifically kind of adapt politics in that way or um i actually don't know exactly how it's been implemented at this point but to me it was a bit of a i don't know maybe it's part of really growing up of seeing like oh my god it's there is like a it's kind of like lobbyism on what we need right for hospitality and, and, and where it has to go so this yeah i just found this article very interesting in that sense to, to be fair this 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 uh, association has helped uh, people before i think back in 2007 they mm -hmm. were the ones who lobbying for the fact that people should not be taxed on their tip mm, okay so as, so as a result in germany technically if you work in a restaurant you can t declare your tip or you know how much mm. money you've made on the, uh, in the restaurant when people are giving you the tip, and uh, that will not be taxed. Mm. Also, they were the ones who lobbied for hospitality to get a lower uh, VAT. VAT, yes, exactly. Yeah, so. I said that as well. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think they have a very huge impact, right? So that I just, I just, I don't know. I guess it's just I just felt like I was growing up a little bit. Like, oh, really? People actually do lobby? Uh, people can impact? Um. Yeah, <laughs> But I mean, this topic was was, was on, on the agenda, I think, for a while. Yeah. They, they always, it's just maybe this this time they made a PR stunt and they're trying to really push for it because mm. they can probably really, really feel the fact that there is no one who's applying for the jobs in hospitality. I'm, I'm noticing it. I'm really excited. So they have different events. So I definitely want to go to learn more and be more part of it, of, of what they do uh, in, in, in this sense. Yep. Yeah. Interesting topic. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Let's move on to, I guess, the next topic, making sure uh, we're switching now. Uh, to me, it was very interesting that you've mentioned this. Um, it's the... To, I think we all we both have very different interests in what happens in the world. And for example, if I would have looked at this, I would have skipped it over. But uh, you seem to have <laughs> highlighted it, and that's that's fair, right? That's what we hear. Um, you talked about how Intercontinental uh, shareholders were pushing uh, Keith Barr, the CEO, to move the company from London, from London Stock Exchange to the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, and to me, the world of Intercontinental Marriott and a few other chains is 
as exciting as uh, as uh, you know CNET that TV show <laughs> where, you know where they record people sitting in, in in parliaments talking about things. So would you care to explain why you decided to listen uh, to list this? Why well, I find it interesting. For example, first I didn't know that they were trading on different stock markets uh, somehow, and I was like, okay, how does the business really impact where you trade? Right, like where where you're listed, how much is the impact? Because they're in they're all over the world. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I was I was very I actually kind of tried to find more things, but this is also why I wanted to listen so I could talk to you about this as well. Um, how you know when you're trading right now, for example, on the London stock market, that maybe there is less liquidity in the market, um, or when your main focus is, is in the U.S. that you should be listed in the U.S. or I guess there's the currency um different on on where you where you trade or where you have your board or things like that so and i in my mind it just kind of turned off like a switch on okay what would you need to do in order to switch your listing okay so this goes very far but would you like make an application and be like hello i would like to <laughs> move from london to new york <laughs> please accept my company or would you need to sell it between the two i'm sorry maybe i'm dumb now but How does it work? I, I have, like, to be fair, I have no idea. Uh, I, I, maybe <laughs> I think you're illustrating a pretty funny situation where there's a little window. You know, there's a huge building, a lot of corridors. There's a little window, and the CEO of Intercontinental is coming in, and he's knocking in the window, and the woman is asking him to to fill out the form 322. But to do that, you have to go to another window to fill out the form 1250. And he said, but I already filled yeah. that out. And she said, well, yeah, but that's delayed. You see here, you did it seven days ago and you're only seven days recently. So um, God, yeah, I'm, so sure there, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's ways for companies like this. <laughs> and I mean, you're, like, of course, there's ways. Maybe I will need to do some more research here in, in case any, everybody, anybody knows who's listening. Uh, please write it, write it to us uh, or send us a link. Um, that'd be very interesting. I, what I know is, for example, Alibaba uh, decided to to list their company in New York Stock Exchange and not in um, um, not in China because in New York you're allowed to have this form of um, shareholder uh, stock where you basically buy the stock but you don't have voter rights. So mm. the Alibaba owner uh, wanted to basically issue stock and do an IPO without actually having to uh, basically give up his voting rights. And in China, they didn't have that back then. So this was actually quite a, a big scandal in China because a Chinese company is doing an IPO in America. Mm. Um, maybe that's also part of the reasons why the founder disappeared for a few months, uh, a few years back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then and then showed up again. But uh, yeah, this is that's one of the reasons why would you you know list your company somewhere else because different mm. stock exchanges allow for different type of. Um, as, and as as you mentioned, yeah, as, as you've mentioned yourself, right. In uh, in uh, in the London Stock Exchange, apparently their multiple is lower than that of Marriott and Hilton, just yeah. because they're trading in uh, in London and not New York. So I mean, there there's there is already a, a simple reason. trick, mm. yeah. a good reason to switch. Do you think it would really impact people working at IHG if in case they would switch from one stock to the other? I would imagine, perhaps yes. Because, um, well, if you're listening in a certain stock exchange, you might have to abide to certain laws. Mm. Um, but then again, right, 
technically most of the people who work in specific intercontinental hotels, which is probably the majority of the people, mm-hmm. uh, have to work and live under the laws of the country where the property operates. Mm, um, okay. Not sure, not sure. Maybe the, the HQ, uh, the 1,000 privileged HQ intercontinental members <laughs> of our money would have to move so, to New York. Such an ironic comment. <laughs> Just like thrown in like that. Sorry. I'm, I'm feeling it for them, you know. They they lived in London for this whole time. They, they, they're loving it, and now they have to go to New York. It's loud and sm- it smells. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, okay. It wouldn't work for me. Okay. Well, this now now you know why I have put this um, this article also just literally because I wanted to talk about it and yeah, learn more yeah. about it. Um, and then there's this one other source that I put, which you know I guess we really have a different selection process because I read and I'm like, oh, this is. Huh? This is interesting. And this one is, it caught me because I find it emotional in a way. I find it, so what happened is that um, there is this island outside of Montenegro, which was formerly a torture prison um, from Mussolini and has now been turned into a luxury resort or luxury hotel and I read it and there's this like little cringe thing inside of me where I'm like like does it make sense to turn a previous prison slash some people call it concentration camp into a luxury resort because right I am also in real estate and I look at property and I think every property has a story and I'm, I very much believe that we should change the story of a place. But how much of it needs to be preserved of the history so people who maybe lost relatives can find closure? Uh, when I read the news as well, I think you've picked a really good uh, topic um, for sure. Because it kind of reminded me also of you know the Auschwitz, for example. Right, mm. th- there isn't much different. Obviously, Auschwitz had a slightly different uh, mm. scope, but uh, it, there's still a place where, which is connected entirely to political prisoners being tortured and you know perhaps mm. killed. Um, if you know, right? If as you know, Buch- Buchenwald and Auschwitz and a few other camps that have survived are a type of museum that you mm. can go to. You can look at the re- remaining buildings, pictures. So it, it really is. A monument to what humanity has done, right? mm-hmm. a memory. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, and yes, luxury hotels are often kind of connected to fun and enjoyment and having a holiday and maybe booking your wedding night <laughs> trip mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure, really. I, I, this is a bit of a different, tough topic for me because well, mm-hmm. not tough for me, but I don't have a definitive opinion whether this is mm-hmm. right or wrong. Mm-hmm. It, if one just does, I think, objectively look at this. On one side, you have Auschwitz, which is a museum, and you can go in, and everybody can see, and it's accessible accessible by the public. While um, perhaps a luxury hotel isn't as much. Mm. I'm not sure. Maybe they have a little museum section as well. Um, so it depends yeah, how they will really implement it. I think that's that's the most important thing. Yeah, yeah, that's what they say that there that there is supposed to be um, a place for that, and that they also agreed when they were. Um, able to change the permit or yeah to make a hotel out of it so that that was supposed to be agreed on that there's a certain part of the hotel 
that people can go. And I find it, I find it interesting what you said because it's true. Like luxury hotels are not, I mean, they are accessible to everyone, but there's a certain, I would say, barrier for people to go there. Even if you're not staying there, right? To just enter a luxury hotel, I think there's a certain um, barrier to it. I don't know, invisible barrier as well. But Miriam, I think me, me, both me. <laughs> so you and I have a very different way of looking at things, and I think you have a a very good emotional sensitivity to things, much better than I do. So the question is, how do you feel about it on a on an emotional level? I suppose because we can talk about logic all day. But yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is this is definitely one of those emotional. Yeah, things. I mean that's why I think I put it down because I'm I'm very torn. On one side, I believe you know if you can. Mm, make a place beautiful where people are happy um and and have good mem and can create good memories in that place right it kind of changes the history of a place which in one way i find beautiful but if it takes away closure and kind of hides what has happened i think it's very very unhealthy for people who um are related to it or close to it or I mean in general for humanity I think sometimes it's very much important to admit it or say hey yes this has happened and and we're all sorry for it instead of yeah making a beautiful place so that's kind of my take on it it has both like so many things in life in my in my opinion w whatever it is I suppose I would really want to see the people who want to spend the night <laughs> in an ex-Mussolini prison. Um, that definitely is a, a very uh, special kind of feeling. But then again, I'm sure there's, there's maybe, plenty of those. And maybe some people don't know, right? Like it's it's in, it's on an island. It's like, it's like one big building on an island. I I guess... Oh, imagine the surprise the if you rooms are a romantic, tri trip, romantic trip and you, you come in and there is pictures of people hanging <laughs> because <laughs> that's what probably is there. I think that I think they would probably have to really manage the expectations well here. I, that's why I find it very, yeah, I find I found it a very interesting topic to talk about. It, but I think there's definitely no to me there's no one complete right and one complete wrong. I think there are, yeah, it's always uh, depends on the how. But all right, let's let's move on to to our next topic, uh, which is about India growing, and. Um, I am really excited to hear how you how you connect that to to hospitality right now. You said we're all focused on on the Chinese tourists, but actually, India is growing much faster in in economic terms as well. So, yes, I am. Um, I mean, we've been uh, listening quite a few news articles in the past weeks, right, about India here and there. For example, last week, India has become number one in population. Uh, worldwide so they've overtaken china and uh, this week um it 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 seemed like a not a very significant significant piece of news but still i um i think it is um apple basically has opened the first two official shops in india one in mumbai and one in delhi quite beautiful by the way check out the link um and uh, if you think about it well who cares right apple has shops everywhere but um for apple this is actually a bit of a um, a more strategic move and The Economist, the, the newspaper, does a really good job of explaining that it might be that soon Apple will move quite a lot of production from China into India, first of all due to growing costs and second of all 
because of uh, well, political turmoil, let's put it this way. Mm. And uh, India might become the new export hub. Therefore, all the iPhones that you'll buy will no longer have design in California made in China. It will have design in California made in India, mm. which I think is a, a dramatic change, a switch of uh, a mind shift, right? Um, and why should, indeed, yes, anybody care? But I think that's what we're trying to do here in this hmm. little tiny podcast slash news- newsletter, right? Um, so We have to try to look at in the future, you know, in advance, right? And I think India is definitely really big part of that future so then iitg should move to the to the stock market in india yeah i'm not sure about that i'm i'm, I'm fairly certain i haven't heard I'm any joking. news before that i know i know i know but i i guess i want to say, take it back to hospital that was my uh, very bad try to no, try no. to move it back to hospitality but do you think that then they should start um thinking of how to expand in india to like have i mean right i remember when everybody was starting to to buy many properties in 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 china or how they're growing their expansion strategy do you think hospitality brands should think about that as well um i mean hospitality brands should for sure i think I, I, mm. let's just put it in general right india on average right now is growing for between somewhere between seven and nine percent gdp Right, so that means in around fifteen years, they'll double what they have if they keep growing. Double, mm. right? And in in, in comparison, how much is Germany growing? GDP? One, or one, one or two. Mm. Okay. This is a little tiny one percent, <laughs> but <Okay>. it, but <laughs> <laughs> after Corona, they've shrunk a little bit. But but most of the Western economies are not growing high on, uh, a lot anymore, right? Because, well. There is no population growth. Economically speaking, a lot of the Western world has kind of reached a really high development level, so it's hard to keep growing without actually having higher population numbers because obviously one extra person means one more person that is going to get a job, that's going to spend money and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, more, more consumers. But back on the topic here, the exciting part about India, in my opinion, is the fact that it is like a, it's, it's almost like a Europe as in the sense that it has 20 different, first of all, it has 22 different official languages, right? That's mm. just the official languages. And every place has a completely different culture. Even though we perceive it as Western as one place, it is really, really far from it. And it is now right about to basically graduate in the next, you know, maybe decade to the sort of the first world country, perhaps, mm. or at least have, let's say, 100 million people just go from bottom, bottom down, um, one dollar earning per month people don't up to engineers um you know <laughs> people who work in the service industry and so on and so forth mm-hmm. and these people i think by nature will start traveling yeah. not only india they will obviously start traveling to to europe to 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 us etc i think mm-hmm. we've all seen a lot of indian work migration mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. We, we really have not seen the extent of uh, tourism that that india can bring and these mm. people will be very, very different culturally, right? So that's why I think for, to us, it's it's very important to see how this is developing. And <laughs> as we've mentioned uh, in in the newsletter, right, mm. uh, you might start wanting to translate your brochures into different languages. Except, well, in India, it's going to be a tough one because yes. uh, they speak twenty two different languages. Yeah, 
I'll start with English. I've seen, I've seen a person in. I was uh, walking around in Kerala, one of the states in India, and um, mm. uh, I've seen two two Indian men talking to each other, and mm-hmm. they seemed to be arguing. And what I guess happened was that they were from different parts of India, mm-hmm. and because they were probably talking different languages, I couldn't know because I'm, I don't speak any of them. But uh, uh, in the end, they switched to English instead <laughs> <laughs> of talking to each other in English because they just couldn't <laughs> understand, and it was. It was a weird thing to observe, considering you're part of the same country, right? Yeah, but actually, it even that I, I mean, I, I find it a very interesting phenomenon because that happens in Switzerland now, sometimes as well, just between the German and French. Sometimes we we both, you know, I'm more comfortable in English than in French, and the other person is more comfortable in English than in German. So we just decide on on English because because it's, it's it has become such a yeah, a good way to communicate with each other. So you were saying, Miriam? Sorry. Uh, well, now I lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. I was just talking about, oh, you yes, said, you know, the, that the Swiss, in, the, if a country Swiss has several Swiss. different languages, that some of them, exactly, the Swiss also moved to English. Even because, yeah, they don't feel comfortable in French or German. Um, so I think it's kind of a common um, phenomenon uh, across the, the India, world the India, the in, in that sense, or can happen in that sense. But, <laughs> oh, well, hey, yeah, I'm sure there are places like, I, I mean, last time we were here in Germany, what was it called? Sexy Schweiz, or um, there's also a part of Switzerland in Germany. Uh, which is interesting. Anyway, there's another part of news that um, you mentioned here, which says new Ukraine offensive, which can uh, force Russia into peace talks. That, uh, people keep Tell me more about that. <laughs> um, we are all indeed being impacted by this, right? It's, it's. I, th- I think it's <laughs> at this point very much uh, ob- obvious that yes. uh, the war is impacting our prices, our way of living, our trade routes our suppliers and so on and so forth. And um, Ukraine currently is trying to basically organize an offensive that mm-hmm. uh, will might capture a big part of their country back. And uh, and several newspapers have posted about this. In fact, almost every newspaper okay. we looked at last week. And um, the interesting part is, as a result of that, uh, Russia might be forced into peace talks. Well, I, I think if I think if anything, so how do they do that? How do they? The, what's the, the motivation of the Western the, world the plan. To, to force Russia into peace talks? Because nobody really wants to keep this war going. Um, so I think it will be the question if Ukraine will mm-hmm. accept the fact that Western world, after the offensive of Ukraine, will push Ukraine to actually start talking, doing peace talks. Because before that, they basically said until we capture every single meter of our country back, we will not stop. Because I mean, rightly slow. It's, it's hard to me to judge that from as an outsider. But um, mm-hmm. inevitably, Russia, right? Is uh, if you think about it, <laughs> this mm-hmm. great big Russia that was scary to everyone has been stuck in Ukraine for almost one and a half years now, right? And without much progress, let's put it this way, a lot of losses. And, um, if yes. uh, politically speaking, it might be at some point a good point to put in front of Putin that he's, you know, they're not going to move on further, but maybe they can take this part of country and, you know, claim the, claim a victory, let's put it this way. Um, it really, really depends. 
whatever it is it's it's um mm. the hope is uh hope is there that uh, at least the war might stop for a few months yeah to give people a a bit, a bit of a break, or at least hope. I like, I like this piece of news to have a bit of, uh, at least to have a bit of hope for peace talks. I think that will definitely impact, um, I mean, the world, especially yeah. here in Germany. No, no as nuclear well, war, right? That would be great. Quite close. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, you, sound, you just sound ironic again here. Um, but sometimes it's good. Sometimes I, I know you now quite well that you often make jokes when, when things are are getting heavy. So I actually like that about you. <laughs> and sometimes I was like, wait, did you did you just make fun of, of, of me for for this? Um so yeah, I guess it's also very good out outlet in that sense. Nish, is there anything you, you want to add? Because we we're almost really left for two minutes, of, uh, and is there something you would uh, like to add for this week? News, right? Uh, I mean, there's, oh. there's there's a lot of stuff going Scientific, on. Scientific, you definitely if you, if need you to talk for, about that. Let's say recently published your papers in, in the industry. Um, <laughs> what I found this week is uh, very very interesting, and especially connected mm -hmm. to what I think you care about a lot, Miriam, and that is. Um, Basically, um, a group of sci uh, scientists, I guess, or researchers <laughs> in Kenya uh, looked at almost like 500 hotel owners, managers, and uh, basically conducted a study trying to find out how much does mm -hmm. clean yeah. green practices okay. impact the bottom line of, of the businesses in the, in, the, in the hospitality industry. And I mean, this mm -hmm. sounds maybe boring for some, but actually the interesting part is in countries like Kenya and, you know, basically third world countries, whether it is Russia or, I don't know, Lithuania or Ecuador, uh, businesses are, are more likely to, to go bankrupt, right? Because um, the, mm. the, there's a lot more businesses starting, yet the businesses are way more likely to go bankrupt because there's just no safety net, there is no uh, sustainable financing and so on and so forth. And what they have found is that actually hotels and hotel managers that use lean mm. practices mm. or try to, so they try to, Think more eco-friendly, how they can save money, or how they can make it be more friendly mm -hmm. for the environment, are more likely to have a to to earn more money or to have more profitable businesses. Yeah. Now, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's especially considering that is if really you, good news. I think it's like a big mystery on how to help third world grow, right? Um, if you, if you try to read any, you know, if you follow up news, uh, read any sort of mm. uh, economics books, it's always like a big topic. How do you help Kenyan businessmen become the business of businessmen of, I don't know, Germany, right, to a similar extent? And it could be, well, at least this study shows as simple as that. Because I, mm. I I'm, I'm obviously it's not, you know, it doesn't represent the whole, you know, the whole of uh, the, the whole solution, but it maybe shows that people who try to think more long term about things are more likely to run a business that is more successful and at, at least if you teach let's say if you teach mm. the business owners ac across around the world mm -hmm. lean bean practices you can show that you can maybe help them um, make money grow and make more money yeah exactly grow and make more money i mean that I, I, I really like this piece of news because it's good news in, in that fact for the planet, for 
for humans, but also because you have been <laughs> contradicting your own points from the last few times that <laughs> people, um, I mean, not contradicting your point. You always said that it, if it's cheaper or if it makes money, that um, green solutions will be the future. So you did say that. And I think you found a piece of uh, science that, that backs that up, which is really exciting, actually. And <laughs> actually, I, I, I will need to read even more about that because, right, if it if it works, and I mean, that's what we have said about what is happening in hospitality here as well, that ESG and people start really just investing in, in ESG-friendly business or compliant businesses, um, that it that this is rising in different parts of the world and in different businesses. So I will read a bit more about that scientific paper, even though I get a little bit of headaches just with the word scientific paper. Well, that's why we, we summarize this <laughs> once a week, right? It doesn't we move my heart paper, much, let's be honest. <laughs> Exactly. That's why. It, that's why. It's exactly. That's uh, we have you and it, me, and it's a good mix. All right, Mish, we're arrived too, at the end. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you all for listening. And I wish you a wonderful week. Yes. Bye bye.